Hello and welcome to episode three of We're Talking Drums. We're I'm... talking drums. Oh yeah. I am Corey Offing. I'm uh, I'm here with my co-host, Derek. How you doing this week, buddy? I'm good, man. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Just that's good. All, that's all you got. Just good. What do you uh what have you been up to? What have you been keeping busy doing? Uh, I've been going to school, and yeah. that's uh, keeping me very, very busy. But uh, on the plus side, I think I'm crushing it. Hey, man. I've only got, yeah. So I got my first mark back, and it was an A+. Plus, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, I would too. An A+. Plus? Jesus. Mm-hmm. During my uh, my school career, if I got anywhere close to a B, that was a bonus, you know? <laughs> Well, it's interesting because so, so I grew up in PEI. Um, we didn't have letters for grades. That wasn't a thing. We had just the averages. So it would be numbers. Um, so like every anytime you hear like an A plus or anything like that, that was only something you saw on TV. So it like, wasn't really a real thing. So it's kind of funny to have that now. But also like my marks were so just like barely passing in pretty much every grade. I, you know, I didn't do anything except for drum. Yeah, and that was my like, you know, <laughs> exactly. I leave school and I go home and I play drums. I will say, man, as soon as I started playing in bands, uh, my grades definitely went downhill. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that was had yeah, a little definitely. bit to do with lifestyle too, and like being uh, in the punk scene and stuff. Uh, and I just just <laughs> totally rebelling against uh, normal educational practices, but. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, yeah I hated school and all I wanted to do is play music and I actually didn't start playing drums until probably the end of grade twelve or like more seriously after high school is when I got into uh, drums for sure. But yeah, played bands crazy. since I was fifteen, so that's uh, I always the... forget that you uh, were a pretty late start with drumming, which is cool because you got yourself like where you are now, even though you started so late. Um, yeah well for me like it doesn't feel like that late but i guess 18 is a long (laughs) is late enough to actually start picking up the sticks and playing in bands but i kind of got thrown into my first band playing drums they weren't happy with their drummer i had a drum kit at my house they were over and we like hung out all the time and we just jammed and then we kept jamming and playing shows and doing small tours and it kind of just happened you know and then yeah. with, with Crimson, we just couldn't find somebody that could keep up, so I had to get better, and that was it. Well, it's it's not necessarily you know it seems to have worked out. So yeah, um, yeah. I was uh, I started a little early. I was fourteen, so um, it was pretty much like same time. It was the same month actually. I got my first job because my brother Devin, uh, his band Church, uh, started practicing in our basement, and they were like, "Yeah, man, you can play." You can play these drums whenever you want. Go for it. And so I was pretty stoked about that. Dude, that's almost um, exactly how I got started is my brother's band started jamming at our place. Now I play guitar since I was 12. So when I was around 15, 
He's like, hey, we need a bass player. There's a bass downstairs. Just start fooling around on it. So I did that. And then eventually uh, we got a second drum kit and made this mega huge kit. And I just started fooling around on that. So that's kind of yes. how I got started too. Was my brother's band started jamming in the house because I was never allowed to have drums in the house. A buddy of mine had a drum kit, and uh, my dad was like, "No, no way, this ain't happening. These are way too." <laughs> I mean, loud. I don't, I don't blame him for having that sentiment towards it. No, me neither. They were totally <laughs> supportive about, yeah, play guitar, play bass, you know, do whatever you want to do that way. But drums, no, not a chance. Um, yeah i mean yeah. i i don't know like have you ever had somebody over who was playing your drums and you like you went upstairs to like grab something and listens to it and it's just like even if they're a great drummer i hate listening to someone practice drums well <laughs> i'm pretty so loud and annoying <laughs> i'm pretty sure when you were over playing drums at my house i went upstairs to grab something and but like you were i, I could listen to you play drums all day I, but i wanted to get back down there to watch it you know um but yeah. no i i I know how loud they are and like everyone in the house <laughs> especially when i have days when i'm like i'm playing for like four to six hours almost straight everyone probably wants to pull their fucking hair out but um yeah this is my that. life so suck yeah. it up <laughs> i don't know so so Corey, yes Dad. um speaking of starting playing drums you know, if uh, if you were to go back in time, mm-hmm. uh, what would you tell yourself to not do right away? You can give yourself one piece of advice for drumming. So we're saying like when I first started drumming, I can't go back in time and go to my 12 year old self and say, don't buy that guitar. Get uh, <laughs> get like a, a snare <laughs> yeah. and some sticks or like a practice pad and just do that instead. Because that's what <laughs> yeah, I wanted no, OK, to do. we'll refine it. Let's let's go over some things that we wish we had have done differently and that we would uh, encourage new drummers to do so that they could avoid the mistakes we made. Well, one one big one for me um, is not giving my hands enough attention in the beginning um, and and more so focusing on rudiments and making sure that I my hands were doing what I wanted them to. When I first started playing, I was playing in like a sloppy hardcore band and I was just hitting things and it didn't matter, you know, as long as I could hit them on time, it was cool. But I've had so many times that I may have like either damaged um, my my uh, ligaments in my in my wrist uh, like or stuff just in general because I work general labor most of my life to pay the bills um my my knuckles and everything are are pretty haggard and uh so when i'm playing live when i'm playing really fast and stuff i find like i have to grip like gorilla grip the sticks oh like caveman style because my my technique in the beginning was just so poor uh so in in my later years i've been working on it like religiously to try to get it up to speed but that's like the biggest thing i would go back and just be like hey put that beer down and go grab your practice pad and or get a straw or something whatever and just put some sticks in your hand and practice your paradiddles like just fucking Mm -hmm. do it 
because <laughs> like I I just never I never did that. I never really did rudiments. I never really focused on any of that when I was first starting out. I just wanted to play in a band and hitting drums was a whole lot of fun. So I I hear you. Mine uh, it's interesting because my advice that I would give myself is pretty much the same thing, except for my feet. Um. I do feel like I've got a pretty good handle on my feet these days. Um, I mean, it's always, there's always work to be done, but um, that was one thing that just like, I, uh, I kind of like whenever I was new at drumming a couple of months in, I like tensed up and, you know, kind of twitched my legs like a lot of people do and managed to kind of get the pedals moving fast. And like my brother, I remember my brother's friends and his band were like, holy crap, how can you play so fast? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm great. Good. And for years, I just kind of kept doing it that way, and um, I, I developed pretty bad foot technique because of that. And then once I, you know, moved to Toronto um, and started playing in Centuries, all of a sudden, and also once I started triggering, uh, that was a big eye opener to see how not precise I was being. Um, I really wanted to kind of like up my game and and play really tight, and uh, you know, it took a long time and a lot of like stress. Um, and to to really get my feet there and it was like it was pretty hard there was times where i was just like man do i just suck like should i just not be drumming um so i would tell myself yeah you know like learn the proper technique and slow down at first and just get those slow tempos because right now you know i've been playing for almost 20 years and whenever i practice i'm practicing at 150 160 (laughs) whereas i feel like when I was younger, I was like, yeah, I want to push 200. I want to go faster and faster. But really, those slow tempos are what makes you better. Um, and Absolutely. I just always neglected them. Dude, and I will say I went through the same thing. Because uh, when I first started out, I got pushed into playing for Crimson Shadows. And we were like, back then, it was like between 190 and 200 was our standard tempos. And our earlier stuff these songs were long like our last record we had songs that were like four to five minutes back back in the day there was none of that six minutes was like (laughs) our shortest tune you know anywhere from six to to nine minutes was our like kind of average spot and like i don't know because i was like maybe 18 19 and i had just started playing drums and people would be like, oh, my God, like, you're so fast. And give me this, like, ego boost. Like, yeah, no, I'm doing a really good job. But in hindsight, like, I would struggle through these sets trying to play that fast. I would end up pulling muscles. I Like, I I remember one show um, that we were playing uh, at the Opera House in Toronto. Like, I got halfway through the set and my right calf just, like, I had this intense pain and I had to push through the rest of the set. And, and afterwards I, I realized like, man, I need to, I need to figure something out here. Cause this has no, zero longevity to it. And I want to be doing this for the, like essentially the rest of my life. And if I don't fix this now, it's going to just keep causing more damage. And then it was when I got my trick dominators and I started triggering I started realizing just how damn sloppy my kicks were. And oh man, that's I remember, that's like such a bad feeling too. You're all excited because you're like, yeah, we can finally hear the kicks, and then you hear them, and you're like, oh, can we, can we turn them down? 
<laughs> you know, like yeah. No, Can these but, triggers only be for me. <laughs> yeah, and like it was probably within six months. I was like, I I need to learn new technique. Like whatever I'm doing is not working, and that's when I started getting into the swivel. And almost instantly, like within, well, instantly, within like a two-week span, I had to swivel down to like a proficiency within our songs and everything just got to that level of tightness I'd never experienced before. And I realized just <laughs> how poor my playing was back <laughs> in the day and that I, like, I need to keep learning these techniques. I need to keep improving on them in order to not only maintain that level, uh, but like go past it, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you never want to just be stuck in one single groove. You always want to be extend expanding your knowledge and, and how, how great you can get at your instrument. Right. So totally. that's my theory anyways. Yeah, I found for me a lot of it was um, inconsistency. So I would have good days and bad days, which I, I realize everybody has, but um, especially for mid-tempos. Like I could essentially play the faster stuff well. Like I had kind of gotten that twitch motion. I got a little bit more control over it. And, I, and to be fair, my faster tempos eventually, I was probably playing them fairly close to what I would consider correct. For mm -hmm. like not saying that there's one correct technique, but for me, I was playing them pretty decently. Um, there were still things like, you know, I go into do a fast part and it would take a couple of beats before my feet kind of settled into it. Like they'd flutter up to start and then they would get going um, and uh, and things like that. But now now I can kind of just like start and stop things fairly consistently. Um, but the biggest issue for me was like I would go to practice and I would have a good session where I would come home feeling like, yeah, I hit everything. Oh, I was able to play some of these mid tempo things. Cool. And then the next practice, I couldn't do it anymore. And or it would be like a show is coming up and I'm feeling good. And then the show comes and I'm just like, oh, like, no, it's gone. Why can't I do this right now? And it was really frustrating. And I always I would talk to like, you know, I talked to my girlfriend and my bandmates. Obviously, none of them are drummers. And I kind of complain. They're like, no, nah, you're great. Don't worry about it. You're, you'll be able to play it. And I'd always be like, no, oh, I can't. That's the problem. Like, I actually can't sometimes. And then mm -hmm. I realized uh, eventually I just I was just like, you know what? Like, I need to be way like I need to do something. And so I started practicing slower tempos and really working on using my ankles properly and uh now i can look back and say you know what in fact i was not doing i was right i wasn't doing it properly i didn't put the proper work into learning how to use my ankles in a way i would just kind of stomp and bury the beater and, and like tense up and um you know i i wish i had to put that effort into trying to make double bass playing easy when i was younger so that way I wouldn't have to spend so much time on it now. I could focus on other things. Yeah. I think we all get anxious to get up to like a, a professional level uh, as soon as we start playing. Just because like you see all these guys and you idolize them and you're like, I want to do that. So you immediately try to jump into it when it's just like those guys didn't just sit down at a kit and start blasting at 240, you know, like it took years and years of practice and playing slow tempos and learning different grooves and really putting the work in for them to get to that level. And if you want to be there, mm -hmm. you have to put the work in. Like there's no, you know, fast way to the top in that regard, you know? So, and like, dude, I was, I was the exact same way. And now I'm like in my thirties having to like, 
pretty much relearn my instrument, which I I tend to do every like like six to eight months. I kind of sit down and I'm like, okay, what are my issues right now? What can I improve upon? And kind of like take a full step back from Mm -hmm. what I've kind of learned in the past and try to relearn something from the start. And obviously my muscles and everything that there's that muscle memory there and everything, but like try to relearn it mentally, but like take, take the, the good parts of what you've learned and adapt to it. But when you take a step back and realize like, okay, like I'm not good at this and you try to relearn something, sometimes you'll like be able to pinpoint your mistake and like really focus on not doing that. Cause that is mm-hmm. like, okay, when I do this, that's when things turn for the worse. So like, let's take that out of my routine or my technique and let's, you know, try to go at it in a different way. But overall, man, it's yeah. just, it's just practice and, uh, you know, learn, learning from other people, man. That's how I learned like almost everything that I know is, is going to shows and talking to other drummers. So that must have been nice. See, growing up in, in PEI, there wasn't a lot of metal. Like there were some. Um, mm-hmm. And like there was a guy uh, who is like one of my first heroes. And they played like this kind of death metal band. He never actually used double bass, though, which was interesting. He was only ever a single bass drum guy. But he was really, really fast with his hands. And looking back, I bet if I went and watched him now, I'd be like, oh, man, you're actually pretty sloppy. But like <laughs> at the time... It was, like, mind-blowingly fast. And I was just, like, always... Every show that I saw, I'd be sitting there just watching. Like, as close to the drums as I could. And But then I'd ask him... Like, I remember one time I asked him something about, like... Man, how do you, like... What are you doing to go so fast? Like, are you doing, like, double strokes or anything? He's like, I don't know, man. I'm just, like, swigging like hell. So, <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> yeah. I didn't get a lot of... Uh, there was... I didn't really have anybody to go talk to about playing metal drums. Um... And I think that was a big issue where, so I had to kind of figure it out on my own um, by interpreting videos that I downloaded from like Kazaa and LimeWire mm-hmm. uh, because YouTube wasn't around. Um, I remember watching like, you know, Derek Roddy videos and, and Mike Portnoy and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, again, because of that, I definitely developed a ton of bad habits uh, because I didn't really have anyone to help me uh, find my way to it. I, I do wish I had have kind of stuck with drum lessons. I took a handful um, with a guy who was like uh, one of my old teachers, actually, like from from junior high school, um, and he's more of a jazz drummer um, and like a military drummer. Uh, but he knew a lot about rudiments and stuff. And I kind of wish I had have kept it up with with those lessons because I only took a few. Um, but it would have helped a lot, just kind of understanding how things are supposed to feel, as opposed to just assuming and then assuming wrong. Yeah, exactly. That's a big mistake when, like, you think that you're doing everything right, but then you get to this, like, roadblock that you, like, this hurdle you can't get over. And it's just because, like, well, you've been doing the technique wrong for a decade. And, yeah. like, no wonder you can't get past <laughs> that tempo or, you know, you can't, you know, get get over this, like, object that's in your way, man. Like, go... Mm-hmm look at what you're doing go back and relearn the technique all over again um but yeah oh my god i've done that so many times 
I will say, like, it is super cool. Uh, and the scene that I grew up playing in um, was full of amazing musicians and drummers. Like, one specifically that, like, uh, Mike Harshaw, who was playing for Annihilator for a while, man. Like, it was, it was a trip just seeing, uh, like, all right, so the first Crimson Shadows show in Toronto... Our first show ever was uh, a, a, a Battle of the Bands. We weren't a part of the Battle of the Bands. We were kind of just, like, there to play a show uh, at a high school. <laughs> so our guitar nice. player was still in grade 12. Uh, and, yeah, it was a Battle of Bands there. And we came out, and it was our first show ever. And both the guys had wireless guitars. They come out, like, running up the aisles of the auditorium. And, like, we just, like, blew these kids' minds because <laughs> all these high school bands and, like, the rest of the bands, like, and they're early mid-20s, <laughs> you know? Like, uh, anyways, uh, our our first actual Toronto show was with this band, Nexus. And Mike Harshaw played for them. They later became Profaner, who's still around, I believe. Uh, oh, but cool. he uh, he played for Annihilator, and they played in 2013 when Crimson Shadows was playing Pockin. So seeing this guy that, like, and us in Nexus used to play shows all the time. The first couple, like, three, four years that crimson was doing shows and like local more local shows in toronto and and around uh southern ontario and stuff we played shows together all the time and and then just seeing this guy like on the main stage at valken playing like ripping a drum solo i was like i was like almost in tears man like i was so proud of everything and so like i felt honored to have like kind of grown up playing side by side with this guy um he he's such an amazing and talented drummer and such a hard worker and i know even though we may not have talked drums a whole lot like if he's listening i want him to know that he taught me a lot just from watching him play because uh it was oh man that's really cool it was crazy man and me not knowing anything like i'm just like i play really fast like i can play blast beats you know, uh, <laughs> you know? And watching this guy's actually like, you know, oh, man. A, a crazy talented drummer and, and get to play beside him like, you know, like multiple times. And it was uh, it, it was guys like that that really kind of pushed me to want to get better, you know, and there's so, mm -hmm. there's so many. There was so many amazingly talented drummers and, and musicians back in that day. And like it was it's really awesome some of them don't i don't even think play anymore but it's just sad it always sucks to see <laughs> i'm those. always sad yeah those whenever amazing i find out guys. people that i used to jam with sucked at, or not sucked whenever i i hate finding it like people like i used to jam with don't play anymore the yeah. ones that were like really good it's like i still got my drums but uh i also got three kids and i work uh full time <laughs> for a bank like oh wow hmm all right, cool, man. Hey, everyone yeah. makes life decisions. Uh, you know, I <laughs> I play music and work a job I hate, so whatever. You know, <laughs> can't win them all. <laughs> it's it's interesting. Um, I really wish I had a lot more like drummers I could have went up to. So it, in PEI, like in Charlottetown, there was uh, I mean, there was only a handful of bands, and a lot of them were the same people kind of playing in different bands together. Um, for drums though, like there wasn't a lot of extreme metal like there was people that played double bass but they never like did much more than just like 
kind of slower tempo stuff and mm-hmm. um not a lot of blast beats i mean there was this one guy that i really liked who did his blast but he did only one foot so um and a lot of thrashy beats and stuff like that but um in like halifax which is like five hours away from charlottetown there were a lot of um like kind of more extreme bands like uh, Holocaust and um, I remember one of a show I played years and years and years ago. Uh, There's a band called uh, Slaughter of Saints, I think it was. Nice. And this was like so many years ago. Like I was 15, so you know, take that <laughs> and <laughs> add it up. But um, I remember this is the first time I ever saw a guy blast with proper technique. And I remember specifically seeing like him from the side, and his hand was out, and he was blasting, and his wrist wasn't moving. He was actually using his fingers. And that, like, blew my mind. I was like, what the hell? Like, I've never seen that. What are you doing? And um, I was too shy to go talk to him because he was, he looked mean, but he was probably, like, super nice, I'm sure. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just, like, um, I didn't really get a lot of time to talk to other drummers. And um, another problem on top of that was because there were so few drummers in the island, the fact that I was playing you know, fast double bass and blasting and, and kind of doing big fills and stuff, um, you end up getting a lot of compliments because, you know, people don't see that very often. So mm-hmm. I kind of got that. I don't really feel like I was ever really, really egotistical. I mean, I guess I don't get to decide that. Everybody I play with gets to, but, <laughs> yeah, you know, definitely. I would start kind of thinking like, yeah, I'm pretty good. Like, okay, I can do stuff like this. And like, whenever I came to Toronto, I remember thinking like, yeah, like we're going to make this band and I'll be like really great and all this. And, and, uh, I mean, we've been doing all right so far, but like, like I was saying, once I started triggering, I really realized like, oh my God, I'm not nearly at the level I thought I was like, I've got so much I need to work on. And it's kind of like, it was disheartening, but also kind of encouraging to, to feel that and realize like, no, okay, I'm about like, okay, now it's time for me to take that next step and start polishing what I can do, um, and be more professional because, before in PEI and I don't think anything I ever really did was you know that professional compared to especially what we're doing now Mm -hmm. well dude I was definitely kind of spoiled because around the time I was growing up like I I in high school I was all in the punk scene and everything but like in my later years like say like grade late grade 11 and 12 there was a decent I want to say metal scene but it was like it was almost like closer to like a tech desk scene um, within like Brampton and Mississauga, which is very close to me. Uh, I grew up in Caledon, right? So uh, even though I wasn't going to Toronto all that often, like for big shows and stuff, but our local scene was insane. Like bands like Starring Janet Lee, um, like they, and and like bands like that were just like touring through all the time and i got to see these drummers that even now would probably blow my mind uh just like how insane they were uh so that definitely pushed me but i was like like in my head i'm like i can't play that shit like dude there's there's no way i'll ever be (laughs) able to do that i'm just gonna do me i'm gonna find what 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 i can do and what i can bring to the table and hopefully it meshes with the musicians that I'm playing with. Like for me too, like drumming (laughs) is like a huge part of it and, and making sure that I'm on point and everything. But at the end of the day, it's about the musicians that you're playing with and making sure that the music as a whole is represented properly. 
So if even though you want to blast like crazy fast and everything, if the music you're playing doesn't call for it, then it's going to sound like shit. Like it doesn't doesn't matter. But if mm-hmm. the music does call for blast, which let's be honest, nine out of ten times it does. Uh, then <laughs> you, you got regardless be, of genre. Regardless of genre, it doesn't matter, man. You can play traditional, <laughs> like heavy metal, blast. But like realistically, like you get then then it's just time that you hopefully you practice enough and you can pull those blasts off every single night live because mm-hmm. uh, you might have to. And that's the thing, man. You might have to do 30 days in a row, 45 days in a row of playing those songs every single night. Doesn't usually happen, but it might. Yeah, if you're lucky. <laughs> it might, yeah. You well, know. or and if you if get you're... the chance, to, if you get the opportunity to do something like that, you want to make sure that you're ready. Yes, absolutely. Preparation is 90% of it. And then once you yeah. get there, you, you know, hopefully you're prepared enough. You know, and I've there's been certain auditions and stuff like that that I like and like that was like a big part of it. There's been some that I haven't gotten because like I just I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And at my point in my career, mentally, physically, you know, uh, lifestyle wise, whatever it may be. And I can realize that now looking back on it, I can realize that some of those things happened for a reason. And it was. It was my choice to, you know, like be the way I was. And that's the, I think that that played a huge role in why I didn't get some of the opportunities that were presented to me. Now I, I've had, I've mm-hmm. had some great ones that did work out. So <clears throat> there's that as well. But, you know, and, and I think if, if you're a, a talented musician or, or talented at whatever you do, the opportunities are going to come. It's just making sure that you're ready for them. Totally. Like that's... So I guess if we were to uh, start a list up of, of the things that we should have done differently and that a new drummer should do, the first thing was, you know, slow things down and focus on playing with your hands and feet properly. Yes. I guess the next one that we could probably add to the list from our conversation has been talk to other drummers. Like make a point to go out and talk and to and watch other drummers because you're going to learn a lot. Um, you know, back whenever uh, we were learning how to how to drum, I didn't have the benefit of being able to go on to uh, the metal drummer nerds worldwide Facebook group, which is amazing. Uh, and I love that group, man. Nice. It's it's awesome. It is so great. Like I don't really post very often, but just reading comments and stuff because a lot of people will ask questions. Uh, and some people explain the how to do things very well. And I found for me that was always a big issue was in understanding how to do things. Because I, I did watch a ton of YouTube videos and a ton of like just instructional videos on how to do stuff. But unless the person explains it in a way that you click with and understand, you're not going to be doing things properly. So, for example, a lot of the time people would just be like, oh, you use your ankles to do this like motion. And I thought I was, but turns out I was doing it wrong. I wasn't understanding how they worded it. And then I I feel like I read a comment on like a little paragraph that somebody wrote for somebody else on that uh, Facebook group. 
And all of a sudden it was like, oh, like, this is what I should be doing. I've been doing this wrong. And um, so, you know, it always just, I think people should always be looking and, and researching how to properly do techniques until they really know, like, yeah, okay, I've got this. I've got, like, absolute control. Um, Absolutely. I, Dude, and I, and another part of that is is groups like that, um, like, yes, they didn't exist back in the day, but, like, there was still a cum- community, you know, and the local bands that you're playing with on on any level of things, you know, like talk to the drummers. Um, and if you're like a, a in a newer band coming up, may, like maybe you're a little younger or whatever, don't be afraid or intimidated by the older, more established bands. Like talk to them, be friendly, be just be a dude and be interested. And most of the time, me all right maybe not most of the time there's some assholes out there that i have definitely encountered but most of the time the guy's gonna be super nice and he's gonna want to talk to you you know like i i have zero problem explaining my technique talking about gear anything like that hell man like that's half the reason that we me and you became friends and why this podcast started in the first place, man. is so like, we just That's like, true, actually, <laughs> we just, you know, I think it was when we were playing the Vakken battle together. Um, I don't know if that was the first time we met, but definitely. Yeah, man, it was the time. first one was at, uh, the hard luck, the hard luck. And, right. Uh, yeah. I was playing for the thorough and both our bands won that night, but that's when we first started talking. Cause like before that we didn't really talk, but then we just yeah. started nerding out about gear like crazy, and, and you know, and you know, one thing led to another, and we're sharing techniques and this and that, and you know, here we are. So, you know, yeah, man, that's building a community and being involved, and and just like not being scared to ask questions, and then any of the older guys like don't be a dick and like these people just want to learn the same way that you may have it back in the day you know and i know we had a <laughs> good uh like solid crew of guys uh and bands that like we all partied together and we we when we were playing shows we would hang out beforehand and like it wasn't we were all like all right we this is our area don't come over here and don't talk to us you know uh, and now with the internet, man, and yeah. all these Facebook groups and everything, like the community is only growing and it's worldwide. And, you know, don't be scared to ask questions and, you know, personal message people and stuff, you know, as long mm-hmm. as you're not like, you know, like super weird about it and punishing, then, you know, just be cool, yeah. be a dude. And we're all just regular people, right? So, hey. Although if you do send somebody a Facebook message, Send all of your thoughts in one message. Yes. Not like 15. <laughs> yeah, not 15 to 20 separate messages all two yeah. seconds apart. And uh, some of my closest friends do that. And I can't stand it. My phone's just going <laughs> off. Like, uh, send it all. Send I a know. paragraph. Like, it's all one thought, too. You know, <laughs> like, this is getting <laughs> off a drum topic. But, you know, like, oh, that really frustrates me. I got me. one of those recent. I got one of those recently, and it was, um, it was like, anytime, I, I mean, I'm sure you see this too, anytime that you do anything that kind of gets any attention, uh, for me, it was the Shredders thing, but also, like, even for the Vodka thing, you get a slew of people adding you onto Facebook, 
And then the second you accept, it's like, boom, hey, here's my band. Um, but I had somebody yeah. I just recently the other day, and they messaged me. And it was like four in the morning. And I got like ten messages from them. And it went from like, hey, I really like your playing. And then my band's about to release a, a video. Can you make, can you record like a 30 second video of you talking about it and like promoting it? It only has to be this long. And then it was just like just on and on. And I'm like getting all these notifications at four in the morning. And I was just like, oh man, <laughs> no. <laughs> and you're <laughs> not, do res- that. you haven't responded to a single one of them, even the first one. None. Right? Oh my God. Yeah. See, that is kind of like definition punisher. Don't be that guy. But, I I put something up and I think it was just like on my story uh something about me uh learning double strokes and I posted a video of me doing 16ths and it was like uh one section of the song I'm doing swivel motion uh and then the next session I like do a fill and then I go into double strokes you know so like just trying to make sure that my pedal settings for one and my technique for both of them is on point and where my feet have to be on my pedals. Anyways, I uh, just posted a quick little video of that. And I had like two or three different people who I've never talked to either uh, message me and drummers and just started asking me questions about stuff. And I was totally cool with that. Like they weren't punishing. They weren't mm-hmm. like barraging me with stuff. Like, they're extremely quick to respond, but I try to be as quick as possible as well. So one guy was just asking me about my pedals and like, oh, should I get Trick or Axis or like, what's the difference? And I'm like, man, you know, I own both. I prefer the Trick, but a lot of guys out there prefer the Axis. It's really just feel and you don't know until you play on them. And another guy was just like super stoked um, and, and, and everything like that wanted to tell me how much he enjoyed it, the video. So I'm like... You know, like, there's ways to go about it that isn't <laughs> barraging you at four in the morning. I know. know. But, like, and that's the thing. There's, like, I, zones and if it was just too, a right? question on drum, like, I love talking drums. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I'd love if, if somebody messaged me and asked me a question about what I was doing or just uh, anything about it. Like, I could just, I could chat about drums all the time. It's once you start asking, like, for something, like... Yeah, that's just record a video weird. for my band you've never heard. <laughs> yeah, and like we've never talked before or any like I would feel weird about asking you to yeah, and like like we're close friends and even asking you to be like, hey, like uh Johnny No Cash Celtic Outlaw is coming out with a new video. Can you like wear wear a shirt and like talk about how much you love us, please? Like that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> I would never ask but, you to do that, man. Like that's just that'd be super yeah. weird. Yeah. So, oh, man. so I guess going back into uh, the theme of the podcast today, this is that's not something I've ever done before. But if I could go back, I would just make sure that I knew not to do those things. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, don't be a punisher. Hundred percent, and that yeah. goes for all walks of life, not for just being a drummer. Like, but like specifically. If you want a career within the music industry, don't be a punisher. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) punishment aside, what else we got? We're just, you know, there's little Corey, little Derek sitting here learning how to play drums. 
what other things would you, uh, or, you know, even in regards to playing your first show, I guess I would definitely tell myself to be more prepared, kind of like how you were talking earlier. There's definitely some shows I played where it was like, oh, yeah, and like, I wasn't ready. And, you know, actually practice things at home. And that will, that will happen. And I think, like, definitely 100%. I, I've, I've not been prepared for almost any of the shows I've played, like regardless of being on tour, because once you get on tour and you're about like three, four shows in, like everything just gels your, mm-hmm. your internal clock lines up. So like when it's time to hit the stage, like your body's ready for it, you know, you're used to running on little sleep and, you know, barely, well, sleeping in a van, you know, being covered in sweat and like not showering and (laughs) the smells and all that. So, and, and just overall, like, like once you're on tour, you're good. Uh, the first couple of shows are usually warm ups, but like you have a lot of rehearsals, man. Like, but other than that, like, it's just, you, I'm never fully prepared for a show in that regard. Um, you just got to like dive into it sometimes. Like definitely in my earlier days, I was more concerned um, about like the, the party around the show. Um, and I don't necessarily yeah. mean like the drinking and everything like that. Although my, my first band, my warm up was downing uh, two tall cans of Heineken uh, in my van, <laughs> but you know, in my mom's minivan. Um but, uh, you know, it was more like the energy that I put into it than it was like the actual technical playing. Like we were a bunch of kids just out of high school, like raging and, you know, like it was it was a lot of fun back in that day. Um, but honestly, and a little off topic from that, but I would say tuning, uh, tuning mm-hmm. my drums properly and proper maintenance of my drums is one thing that I wish I did a lot better from the start um and even now to be honest but like tuning (laughs) can go like a long way um like whether it be in studio or even just live like i've had okay funny story i had a friend of mine who will remain nameless but he was telling me a story about when they played the opera house and like there were a, a smaller band back then they were opening up a big show and he was doing sound check and the the sound guy just like stopped him after like two hits and was just like can can you tune your your drums please and he's just like what do you mean (laughs) and he's like dude i was so embarrassed that guy the sound guy came down hopped on the stage and like went through and like tuned up his drums for him while he like sat to the side and i was like oh dude like that is you know and that's one thing that it's just like yeah you can play you can hit stuff in time and that's cool but like knowing the ins and outs of your instrument and drums have a tuning um and and you should like even if you're not going to go to the distance and like tune all your toms within the same key or like within the harmonic range and like a7 minor whatever it may be whatever the technical terms are but making them like sonically perform well together as a, a kit uh, not having too much buzz or too much ring or anything like that, you know, is, is crucial to getting, mm-hmm. um, 
what you're playing across to the audience you know and performing well with your fellow musicians um a guitar player wouldn't go up there mm -hmm. and and play with an out-of-tune guitar like you know so yeah, why should true. we be any different so that's one thing yeah. that i would definitely I, put up there on like the things to kind of focus on if you're looking at uh, other than like the the physical playing and technicality of the the actual uh drumming but having your drums in tune man just do it yeah make them sound pretty now, that's a good uh that's a good insight i've i've um i've always been a pretty i was a pretty big drum nerd right out of the gate like obviously you know tuning you're not going to be great at it right away it's going to take you're you know you're always going to be improving at how good you can make your drum sound um I know that whenever I was newer, um, I would try really hard to make them sound good, but I also like dampened the shit out of them, so they would still sound pretty decent. Like you know, I'd have like chunks of paper towel taped underneath the skin, plus O rings on it. <laughs> like it was so dead. But I well, mean, at the, the end of the day, that the will kit sound that I okay. got from you, man. It it that, still has on the floor, Tom. It has like tissue taped on the res skin. I'm like, what is that? What is that doing there? Like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I dampened the shit out of my res, my floor toms resonant heads. Um, now I've got cotton balls in the floor tom, which seems to be doing a nice job. That's um, always a good studio trick. But yeah. uh, to be fair, though, that kit that you bought off me, like it was in my old jam spot, and the guy taught lessons on it too. So like, and he used to kind of like tweak the tuning, and usually I would just be like, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I can to quickly get this to sound playable. Because yeah. um, I also had my my main kit at my house. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I did have one thing, uh, similar experience to your buddy where we were playing, uh, the only time we've ever played at the rock pile and, um, it was like the night before we were, it was a last minute add on actually, but, and we played the night before and I'd let another guy use my drums and he was like, uh, and at the time I was using a 14 inch rack tom and an 18 inch floor tom and that was it. And he's like, man, do you mind if I tune your rack, Tom? I'm like, oh, yeah, because it was pretty low. And he was, they were more of like a kind of jazzier rock band. And and uh, I didn't really think anything else of it because I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to be like, you know, retune it whenever I get home anyway. And then we went and played that show and we had the mics all hooked up and we were doing the sound check. And I hit my rack, Tom, and it was just like he just cranked it. And it sounded like garbage. It was super like resonant and ringy and just like. As soon as I hit it, the sound guy was like, oh, like, can you fix that? And I was like, yes, it wasn't me. I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> and I just, I'm like, sorry. I, Yeah, I felt like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, like, you immediately are just like, absolutely, sir. I apologize. I will fix this at once. Like, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know what happened. He's just looking at you like you're an idiot. And you're like, nope. All right. My fault. I'm sorry. Yeah. I will, I will oh, deal man. with that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think uh, I feel like if I was to go back to like I would try and teach myself how to be a bit more professional at shows. Like for the longest time, same idea. We kind of looked at it. It was like we're playing shows more for the social aspect of it than for actually playing shows for so long. You know, yeah. it was all about like, yeah, I'm in a band, I'm cool, and I'm gonna do this. And um, it was never like, okay, no, we got to like get on stage, get off stage really fast, don't go over our set time. And we're like, I think back to like what some of my old bands did, and it was like, oh, dude, like we should have. Yeah, I'm surprised we didn't make more enemies in the scene from from acting the way we did on stage. Yeah. Um, well, I will I will say, man, like we um at least for the most part, any band I've played in, in the last uh ten years have always had like a relatively pro 
professional approach when it came to the actual like show and um, being professional as a musician in, in that regard. Now, I will say like the drinking and the partying and everything like that, um, either before or after the show, really um, definitely got out of hand for a while there. Um, and that's definitely that that is one thing that I wish um, I took I took a little more seriously and overall like as a, as a musician I always had it in my head I'm like yeah I want to be at that level and like mentally I'm like yes like I'm working towards this and blah 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 but then like physically my actions were just like but I want to party and have fun and you know and that can only get you so far you know without actually <laughs> sitting down and, and doing like the shit work that you know isn't fun but it can get you to the the next stage of your career right and it usually doesn't involve drinking excessive amounts of alcohol and doing drugs sadly <laughs> yeah. enough in this day and age uh, that that doesn't get you where you you want to be you know so. <laughs> no i was never um i i think i played a show i don't even know if it's a show but it's just been a practice but like I played drums when I was younger after being drunk and I was real like I, I sucked at it. I was because my balance was gone. I couldn't do anything. And uh, then from that moment, I was always like, you know, you don't drink and drum. And I just I made a point like it was I would have a beer like back whenever I did drink. Um, I would have like maybe a beer before a set. But that was it. I did not want to feel anything. I didn't want to feel buzzed in any way. Um, but uh yeah, so that was always a, a big thing for me. <laughs> but it's always, dude, and I, I'll say, like, I made up a rule where it was, like, when doors uh, open. So I'm allowed, to, I was a, allowed to have two beers until doors opened. Once doors opened, then I'm done. So I can't have more than two beers before the show. Um, but between load-in and... Uh, when doors open and then caffeine and water until after our set. That was my mm -hmm. rule for a number of years during most of my touring and everything like that. Um, and, and it worked out pretty well, man. So like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be partying before the set. Cause like you try to be as professional as you can. Like, why are you like spending a month on the road away from your family and friends um, to not perform the best you can mm -hmm. you know and then you performing like shit could cost you uh, not only a ton of new fans but a lot of sales of the merch booth and if you go to the merch booth after your show and you're fucking sloppy drunk and acting like a dick then nobody's gonna want to buy your merch so mm -hmm. save that shit for when you're not at the show and you know you can be a dick on your own time so you know See, it's interesting like i never had the opportunities to tour or anything like that like our shows were almost exclusively like um pei you know it typically be mm -hmm. the same three bars in charlottetown every now and then we might dip over to to um moncton and halifax or go up to summerside or something like that but um you know it wasn't never like a, yeah we're on the road right now doing a show it's like oh we're playing this show cool uh we're gonna get our friends to come out we're gonna party it's gonna be great um, and that's kind of like how it was. And I don't feel like I did go on a tour with a band um, throughout like Eastern Canada. And I think we actually got up to Kingston 
was uh, the farthest one. And um, that was interesting. Uh, you know, we played Montreal and stuff too. And um, ironically, I would actually said that one was a little bit more professional with the way things were. Like that was the first time, like, um, I learned like, oh yeah, you know, don't play in between songs. I remember being like a new, like a kid and we play a set and I'd be like, like fucking around and doing drum fills and stuff between songs and, um, and things like that. And just, that was like kind of the first glimpse on like, this is how you act more professional on stage. And, um, I'd never even considered it before, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't really until like centuries where we were like, yeah, you know, let's really up our game and like do this for real this time. Yeah, man. Dude, I had one time, and this is like on a more recent tour, that I was warming up. Um, and we were we were headlining this date on the tour. And usually we were uh, direct support, but for whatever reason in Montreal, we were headlining. I don't know why. Um, and I was warming up, but the backstage area was like an upstairs area that kind of overlooked the rest of the venue. So I'm warming up my feet and I got my practice pad out and I'm like, I have to play like an hour 10 tonight. I need to be on. And every time the band would stop a song, you could hear me through the entire fucking venue just (laughs) like warming up upstairs. I'm like, fuck. And then I got, like, camera guys because they're, like, filming the sets and everything and being like, dude, like, fucking stop. Like I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I just got my headphones in, like, listening to my click and, like, warming up and getting ready for my set. And uh, apparently that's not allowed. <laughs> um, so, yeah. oh, well. Um, I We still played a good show that night. And, you know, I, yeah. I didn't mean to be disrespectful to the band on Before Us in any way, but... You know, I've totally done the same thing before, though. Now I try to make a point to like, especially with a lot of the shows that we play, like there'll be smaller bars where I can usually watch the band from where I'm warming up. And uh, a lot of the time now, I actually use the band playing as my click track and also have like earplugs in and mm-hmm. I'll just kind of play along with them. And then whenever they stop the song, I just stop. And then once they start back up, then I start pl- practicing again and warming yeah. up. Yeah, uh, makes it a lot easier because, yeah, you don't want to feel like. I remember like the moment I kind of noticed that I was playing and it was everybody could hear it. I'm like, oh, and I felt like an idiot, and uh, so I didn't want that to happen again. Man, yeah, I know it's happened to me way too many times, but definitely like be respectful to the musicians on stage because uh, you wouldn't want someone doing that necessarily over your music uh, and mm-hmm. ruining your set for the audience and everything. So try to just keep that in mind, anyone listening. Yeah, But we're not going to need to worry about that for a little bit right now. So, And if anyone's listening <laughs> yeah. in future times right now, uh, what date is it? It is, what, October 4th? October 3rd. October 3rd, and we are still in the middle of a global pandemic with COVID-19 going on. Mm-hmm. So we're not playing any shows and uh yeah man we're just stuck at home playing drums by ourselves playing with ourselves pretty much you know <laughs> yeah that's how it is that's, that's okay how though. it is man yeah man all right man. well this well, has been like uh, we're uh running out of time i think yeah man uh, i think that's a good place to call it um yeah man uh thanks to everyone you know who's uh been listening in thanks derek for uh taking your time to chat with me today 
This has been thanks, Corey, for taking always. some time to chat with me today. Man, I love talking to you. This is like <laughs> my favorite time uh, of the week. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, if anybody wants uh, to fire us an email um, giving us suggestions on what you want to hear us talk about, please do so. And you can email us at we're talking drums at gmail.com. So, W E R E T a l k i n d r u m at gmail dot com uh, is our official email address of We're Talking Drums podcast. So yeah, drop us a line there. Um, if you got any questions for either of us, if it's specific to one person, uh, just put our name in the subject line or whatever, and uh, yeah. Um, anything at all band related drum related life related you know beard related beard. oh wait nobody can hear our beards no you can't, <laughs> Never mind, you can't hear our beards but i'm sure they know they know we rub it on the right. mics oh yeah let's get some of that uh i don't know if you can hear that at all mine's too soft i can hear something <laughs> <laughs> all right we should start selling every time we trim our beards we'll sell the clippings yeah if anyone wants to buy some of our beard hair please Email us at <laughs> we're talking drums at gmail.com. Uh, check it's us going, out. It's on, going fast. It's like hotcakes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. You got to get in now because, you know, it's probably already gone. Uh, but uh, yeah, check us out on social media. I am outlaw under outlaw underscore drummer at, uh, uh, on Instagram. So at underscore. At outlaw, gonna, <laughs> you're I'm doing great here. This, uh, <laughs> at outlaw underscore drummer on Instagram and also Facebook, Corey ha- Corey Hoffing <laughs> drummer. <laughs> this is my official Facebook page, uh, and then you can get links to my YouTube and all that from there. Uh, Derek, what's your social? You can find me at uh, Derek on Instagram, Derek with an H. So D H E R R Y K, and I guess on Facebook too under the same name. I started up a drummer page. I don't know why. I should have just kept my regular Facebook. Now I have to post on two things I know. every time I post something. But I love it. I love your drummer page, man. It allows you to focus like just on your your instrument you're playing and your career in that aspect, and you don't need to be posting fucking dog photos and stuff uh you know you can just I keep post my personal. dog photos on my dog's instagram <laughs> okay well touche i i post my dog photos on my dog's instagram too so touche now everyone <laughs> I knows know your dog has an i didn't know titan has an instagram yeah okay if you um, want to follow my bulldog titan it is titan double underscore bulldog uh on instagram so follow him he's cute as fuck i love him he is. Uh, I saw that picture of him stuck on a bench recently, and it was adorable. <laughs> yeah, you hopped up on the bench, and then <laughs> And I've got, got a dog, stuck. and it's Bobbert underscore J underscore Ding Dong. So you can follow him. Nice. And you can follow our page on Instagram <laughs> as well. So this has been our social posting <laughs> segment. Uh, all right, Derek, man. I say good day, and until next week, on a, you know... This has been uh, fun talking drums, man. We're talking drums. That's right. See you later.
Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're feeling especially kind, we would love it if you would share this with a friend or two. If you have any comments, questions, or even suggestions for future shows, please let us know. You can fire us a message, and we'll do our best to get back to you. Catch you next time.